Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. Awesome. Our Freedom Conference was amazing. We had an incredible time. Uh, One of the things I love about the Freedom Conference is it's not about who takes the platform. It's about giving Jesus the center stage. Um, And he's the one that leads us and guides us and speaks to us. Something somebody said uh, was, I didn't know Jesus could speak that quickly and that clearly. And it was beautiful. We had an incredible time. So we'll be doing another Freedom Conference. uh, But make sure you sign up because I promise you it's worth it. The whole heartbeat is creating disciples and not dependents. Right? You guys hear from Jesus. And all we do is just kind of lay that out for us. Amen? Well, we're going to finish up our Freedom Conference uh, this morning. We're going to wrap it up. We have been in a series entitled Feels right? Some of us, our emotions, they run. Some of us, a little bit more even kill. But we've been in a a series entitled Feels. And today I want to talk to you about it feels, or I don't want to say that yet. Hold on. I have a picture for you. Check this out. Check this out. How many of us like some pixelated pictures? Either we take them or they take forever to download from the internet. Um, Oh, keep it going. Just go there. Yeah. Um, We see this. Can anybody tell me what this is? Of course. So iconic, right? But this one, it's a little bit better. What about this next picture? Pixelated. It's not like the greatest picture. You can't really pick out the detail. And this version is obviously better. Yeah, it was a bird. I don't know what kind of bird. I don't know, but it's a bird. Uh, What about this? Like you're at a game or you're somewhere and then this is your view. I love that he doesn't care. Like... (laughs) He just gave up. He's not like leaning or, you know, I've reached the age where I can't, I can't even do this for long because like my neck hurts. <laughs> I'm like, I got to move my whole body, but he's not tripping. What about this? Good old Marge, that poor guy in the back. Like, he just can't see. He's like, I paid a thousand dollars for this seat and I can't see. I want to talk to us today about it's distorted. It's distorted. Um, you know, when we're at a concert and our view is distorted, it's, it's a problem. You know, we're at a game. It's irritating. We're at our kids' recital or our concert or their concert. And it's like it's heartbreaking, right, when our view is distorted. But today I want to lean in. When, we, when our view of God is distorted, it's dangerous, When our view of God is distorted, it's dangerous for us. So will you guys pray with me this morning? Jesus, every word that comes out of my mouth, God, may it glorify you in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that you would have your way, that you would speak to hearts, that you would speak to minds, God. Um, Clear up our vision. Clear up our distortion. In Jesus' name, amen. National Association of Christian Recovery says, Our images of God, therefore, may not be the same as our doctrinal affirmations about God. We may affirm that we believe in a God of love and grace because we know it, but our images of God may be of an abusive bully or fill in the blank. And the images of God as an abusive bully is likely to have a more powerful impact on our emotions and behaviors than our doctrinal statements about God. Because our image of God 
uh, our images of God are rooted in early formative experiences. Even if you've grown up in church, we, we, we know some attributes of our God, right? Love, grace, mercy, faithful. Even if you haven't grown up in church, we have those images of God, love, grace, uh, mercy, all of those things. But today I want us to lean into, because I don't want you to tell me what you doctrinally know, I want us to lean into what our behaviors exhibit in our life. Does our behavior and response to things in our life drive us to the Lord or does our distortion lead us in a different direction? I love what Jimmy Evans says, the importance of parents in the development of a child cannot be overstated. In many ways, parents are to a child what God is to an adult. They are to be the protectors, providers, and nurturers of the child. You see, God created family. He is the originator of family. He designed it. And he designed it so that we could see clearly or as clearly as possible. Let's be real. There's sinners in the house. I've already said like, ooh, my kids, they're going to need healing. Right. Because I make mistakes, right? And so when we're raised in a family that loves the Lord, honors the Lord, worships the Lord, uh, mom and dad present, and when we do it that way, we have the ability to have a clearer concept of who our God is. And the exact opposite is true if we're raised in a home where, man, maybe there was divorce or dysfunction or maybe you, didn't, you weren't raised in a home that loved the Lord, then your picture of Jesus is going to be, can be a little bit uh, more distorted. Because we look at our parents, we look at authority figures, we look at people in our lives, and we automatically in those formative years relate that as, man, this is how God is for a good chunk of us. You see, Genesis 1, we were made in the image of God. Genesis 2, we were told that a man shall leave his mom and uh, be one with his wife, right? And so we could see the beautiful design of God for, uh, for family in, in Scripture. Colossians tells us, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Every time I do a sermon, why, like it's always submit. But I, I like, it's not for me, it's for you, okay? Like, that's for you. <laughs> I was like, why, Lord? Why? What are you trying to tell me? I submit sometimes. Um, all the time. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Even for children. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this is pleasing in the Lord. Fathers, you have, fathers have two can you see that? Fathers, do not provoke your children so they will not become disheartened. We see a beautiful layout of God-given roles in Scripture. We see a beautiful outline that God is having us follow. And not, not for just nothing. It's really to try and give us a clear picture of who God is. Um, not a perfect picture, but a clear picture of who our God is. So I want us to look at something really quick before we pull it up on the screen. A lot of times in our upbringing, again, we can tend to take our earthly relationships of people in authority over us, people who are supposed to provide, nurture, and protect. Um, we can take our relationship with them and we can transfer it in our relationship with the Lord. Remember, I want us to lean in today. I don't want you to tell me doctrinally who God is to you, like who really is God to you. 
Like our behaviors are going to reveal that aspect, all right? And so we take our earthly relationships, and it is parents, it's mom, it's dad, it's auntie, it's uncle, it's grandma, it's grandpa. It can even be politically, politicians. Why? Because we're raised to trust or we're raised to listen or they're for us. It can be officers, judges, like teachers, principals. These are people in authority that were over us in formative years and even even today. All right. And so these things were going to help shape what we think about our God. And so obviously we live in a fallen world and there were people that abuse that privilege or they twist their responsibility. They do things to us that just aren't beneficial for us and they distort our image of who God really is. And so we're going to look at a couple of things this morning um, on how the behavior of a parent can lead to a misconception about God. All right. So let's look at uh, perfectionists, extremely high goals, little praise or affirmation, right? This is a home that you were kind of raised in. So what does that mean in our misconception for the Lord? And I want to make it clear, just because you were raised in homes like this doesn't mean you automatically think of God this way, but it is worth exploring. It is worth leaning into. Do I think of God this way? God is never satisfied. He's always disappointed and upset with me. All right? We are raised in a home with little or no affection. What do we think? God is impersonal and distant. Or we're right. Oh, I'm going to do one more. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Behavior of a parent. Maybe critical, verbally abusive. A critical environment. You feel like, man, I could never, uh, my hair never looked the best. Like, I never could dress enough. I could never, whatever the case is, God is angry. He puts up with people, but doesn't really love them. And let's go to the next one. There's a few that we're going to walk through. Behavior of a parent. Maybe there was a workaholic parent in your home. Focus was away from children and outside of the home. Well, we can tend to grow up with this misconception that God is detached and uncaring. It's difficult to get God's attention. Or I'm really not that important to him. We can grow up in a home where it's moody or temperamental. God is unpredictable. One day he loves me. The next day he's angry and threatening. Right? I think we all can have experienced that to some degree where, man, like it's up and down. I don't know. What am I coming into today? Are we good? Are we not good? Is it solid? Is it not? And we can tend to translate that in our walk with Jesus. We're like, man, one day I feel so loved by God because I read my Bible. And then I didn't read my Bible the next day. And, oh, my gosh, God is so mad at me. I can't even go before him. Can you see how our misconceptions are probably playing a role in our walk with Jesus? sinful, immoral, low standard of discipline and behavior. What could our misconception about God be? God doesn't mean what he says. God is extremely gracious and is a pushover. There's no need to fear him. And this is where we can live in sin and be okay with it. Because we think, oh, well, God, you know, I wasn't really disciplined growing up or there wasn't really, you know, like standards that I was supposed to keep. So we can tend to look at that in our earthly relationship and transport it to our heavenly father. And we think that that sin is okay. And then one more page. Um, A smothering, doting, spoiling, spoiling you and never saying no. Right? We think that's great. I, I, like, I, I think a lot of our kids would be like, yeah, that's an awesome parent. But what can the misconception be? Like my kids, they don't even ask me for anything. Can I be real with you? <laughs> they'll go to me and they'll be like, hey, mom. Never mind. Hey, dad. 
<laughs> like every time, like ice cream, donuts, and dad says no, but I say no more. <laughs> I'm like, no, your teeth are going to fall out. Absolutely not. But smothering, doting, spoiling, and never saying no, our kids want that. And can I just encourage you, parents, if you're in here, this is not beneficial for your kids. To just always give in, to always say yes, to always, like, let's guard that with our children, that discipline for them, that love for them, those boundaries for them. They need that. They're going to buck up. They're going to fight. It's going to make parenting a little bit harder because instead of giving in and peace in the moment, we're, we're parenting for the future. And we just, man, that helps. It's not going to help in the moment, but it'll help in the long run. So our misconception of God can be God exists for me. The only thing that matters is my world. God must conform to my needs and my desires. And so living in sin, absolutely. Like, why not? Like, that, that's what I want. God knows that. Or, you know, developing these behaviors that translate in our walk with the Lord. And let's just read one more. A hypocritical home lived one way at home and another way in public. God isn't powerful or relevant. Religion is for social and special purposes. It doesn't relate to my life. Oh my gosh, like these are really, really big. These are big. And if I'm honest, I can look at some of these and yeah, I can see how they were manifested in my life. Why? Because home isn't perfect. Like, let that condemnation and that shame go because our, like, we're not perfect. We're not Jesus, and we're going to make some mistakes. But you could see God isn't powerful or relevant. We'll show up to church, you know, when the schedule clears, or we'll show up when it's great. Man, what, that, those things are teaching our kids something, and, and it's teaching us something when we were raised in that kind of environment. So why is a distorted image of God dangerous? Why is a distorted image of God dangerous? Well, a distorted image of God hinders our worship. A distorted image of God leads to self-reliance and reliance on other things, which can lead us into idolatry. When we don't have a clear picture of who God is, we turn to ourself for satisfaction. We turn to ourself for fulfillment. We turn to ourself for reliance because we don't think we can trust the Lord. Like a distorted image of God is so dangerous because he doesn't become our source in everything we do or things do. And again, I'm going to say this multiple times. Don't tell me what you know about God. Like what is your behavior reflecting? Is my behavior reflecting that, Jesus, you're my source? When pain comes, I run to you. When my job is on the line, I run to you. My trust is in you. You have me. Like, what is our behavior declaring? So I want to look at uh, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to walk through this scripture. Uh, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Um, I, I, love, I told first service, I was like, listen, if I was Jesus, I would have scared them a little bit. I would have been like, ooh, like, I'm a ghost. Like, that's why I'm not God, because I would torment. <laughs> I'd be like, no, I'm just kidding. It's me. It's Jesus. Like, relax, calm down. But I love that Jesus, in the midst of a storm, He's not just letting them figure it out. In the midst of distortion, when they're thinking it's a ghost, he's not, I'm going to give him a minute. Like, they'll figure it out. They'll be able to see clearly in just a few moments. 
immediately he's like, whoa, 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 relax. Relax, guys. It's me. It's Jesus. And so in the midst of them crying out in fear, he responds. In the midst of their inability to see in distortion, he lets them know it's me. You're fine. You're okay. And I love that we can still do that today in the midst of storms, in the midst of distortion, in the midst of seasons that we cannot see clearly, in the midst of the misconceptions that we were raised in, God is still declaring throughout his word, it's me. It's Jesus. I'm for you. I love you. I got you. You can trust me. Like God is declaring that over and over and over again in our lives. You see, when we don't recognize the Lord for who he is, we may end up thinking God will harm us instead of heal us. I'm going to read that again. When we don't recognize the Lord for who he is, we may end up thinking God will harm us instead of heal us. Maybe it's the image that you picked up of the Lord growing up. Maybe you didn't have a clear picture. Maybe there wasn't like provision and nurture and um, protection in your home. And your misconception of God is like, ooh, he's not going to protect me. Or he's not, I can't trust him with my heart. He's not going to care for my heart. He doesn't want to take the time to listen to my wounds and my pain and my brokenness. And so when we're not going to the Lord in our for nurturing, if we're not going to the Lord for our provision, if we're not going to the Lord for our protection, where are you going? Because you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere for nurture. And for some of us, it's social media. For some of us, it's escape. For some of us, it's alcohol. It, it Fill in the blank, guys. If we are not going to Jesus, we are going to something. And so misconceptions in our upbringing, but also misconceptions from life today. Like, we've walked through some stuff, right? That's what we learned in freedom. There's moments in your life that you've gone through, maybe a marriage that just didn't make it. Maybe a child that wants nothing to do with you. Or maybe a job that you lost. And in those moments, the enemy takes every opportunity to exploit those and lie to you and tell you that God was not there, God did not see, God did not care, God is not for you. And so when those moments rise up in our life again, with our distortion of who God is, do you think you're going to run to him? Or do you think we're going to become more self-reliant? And the enemy would do everything he can to get us to not be able to see God clearly. He will distort whatever he can so that we're not going to the Lord as our source. Because if we can't go to the Lord for our source, source, true freedom will never be attained. Because we're going to be running to so many things and not running to the one that really can fix everything. Does that make sense? We're going to continue reading Uh, But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, command me to come to you upon the water. You see, like, this is a a pretty scary scenario. You're in a boat. It's the middle of the storm. Listen, you won't catch me on that boat. 
I will not be on that boat. Back then, boats aren't like they were today. Do you know what I'm saying? They were made of wood. What does water do to wood? Like it weakens it. I'm like, listen, if I can kick a hole in the side of this boat, I am not getting in this boat. I won't even get on, like, like we did a cruise ship for our honeymoon. And I was like, we're not going to make it. <laughs> Marriage was great. It's been a great 10 days. <laughs> What's going to happen in the middle of the ocean? Like, like wh- what are our chances? If God wanted me in the water, I would have flippers. Or I would have fins. Or I would have gills. I would have something. I was a creature created for land. No, I'm not getting on the water. Matt, uh, Pastor Matt was blessed with uh, shark diving. You guys already know. Listen, it's happening. I was in denial for a really long time. It's happening this week. He's leaving for shark diving. Next week, he's leaving for shark diving. And uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we want you both to go. And I was like, absolutely, yes. I will be chilling on the beach, feet touching the water, you know, relaxing, reading, enjoying some quiet time. And they were like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. You're going to, like, fly there. Then you're going to get on the boat, and you're going to get on a boat for one day's journey into the middle of the ocean on a yacht. Like, yachts, they're not giant. Like, if I couldn't handle a cruise ship, I'm not handling a yacht in the middle of the ocean. Then you're going to live on the yacht for three days and then take a day's journey back. Listen, he's going alone. (laughs) I was like, see you later. (laughs) Like, like I'll see you in a week because I am not getting myself on that boat. Am I the only one in the house? Like, you guys are all like ocean people? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But here Peter is in the middle of a storm saying, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you upon the water. What I love here is the word upon in Greek means to come into and to come against. So what Peter is saying is, Lord, if it's you in the middle of the storm, I can't really see. I thought it was a ghost. But if it's you, command me and I'm coming against everything that's coming against me. I'm coming against the wind, I'm coming against the water, I'm coming against the rain, I'm coming against the waves, because if it's you, you are the one that's calling me, and I got this. Like, that is what worship will look like in the midst of the storm. Where Jesus is saying, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of the crazy, in the midst of the distortion, like, you know me. I am good. I am for you. Come against everything that's on the inside of you, shouting for you to run in the opposite direction. Everything that's coming against you, rejection, insecurity, fear, what is that wave that's in front of you that wants to hinder you from walking through the storm and towards the presence of God? I want to be like Peter. I want to walk on the sea. I want to walk in the wind and the waves. His confidence was what brought him to go to Jesus. His confidence, not in himself, but in the Lord. Not in his ability to swim, right? I mean, maybe he could swim. But I don't think his ability was in himself swimming. His ability and his confidence was in Jesus. God, this is who you say that you are. And you know, Peter got to that place not because, you know, he's just got a, like an adventurous spirit and he's like, hey, I'll come. Like, that's not what brought Peter out into the middle of the storm. It was him knowing Jesus. It was him knowing his character. It was him walking and spending time with him and witnessing his miracles. It's Peter saying, I can't see you, but I can hear you. 
and I'm worshiping you. And can I tell you that your worship will affect your walk? Your worship of the living God is going to affect your walk, how you walk in the storm, how God sustains you in the storm. You know, we just did this freedom conference and uh, we shared, we, we had a topic about deliverance. Uh, you know, like demons and stuff, like nothing big, like, you know, very, very light stuff at this conference, demonic oppression, strongholds, things like that, you know. Um, but we talked about this, I was, I shared uh, the spirit of fear that had, um, I had come into agreement with. I had locked into a spirit of fear. I read scripture one day and the scripture said, you know, um, it rains on the just and the unjust. Like, hey, like we're not, we're not guaranteed. We're not uh, promised like a perfect life with no problems. Anybody experienced that? No. And in that moment when I read that scripture, a spirit of fear latched onto me, whispered in my ear, and I came in agreement with it. Because the enemy has no power or authority over your life unless you agree with it right? I agreed with it. And I was like, oh my gosh, God might like instantly I went to my kids. I was like, my kids, something bad's going to happen to my kids. Like something bad's going to happen to them. I don't know what, what you fill in the blank. Listen, I thought of every terrible thing, every terrible thing that can happen to my children. I walked in and I believed to the point where I wouldn't let them out of my sight. Where I was like, come on, no, 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 I'll take them. I got them. Listen, you know when you're a mom, like, breaks are nice. But I wouldn't even do that. I was like, no, 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 I got them. Don't worry about it. And then I got to the point, you know, where I was like, fine, it's fine, it's fine. Matt, I'd have to go somewhere, and I'd leave Matt at home with the kids. And I'm like, hey, listen, you don't need to go anywhere. There's food in the fridge. There's uh, TV. Got a backyard. Like, what else do you need? Stay home with the kids and have a great time. Because in my opinion, if they weren't with me outside of the home, that's when something was going to happen to them. I was their source of protection in a negative way. I was their source of covering in a negative way. And so if the minute they left the house without me, I was like, that's it. Something's happening to my kids. And so I didn't even like it when Pastor Matt, who's an amazing father, would take my kids and go somewhere. Rock and jump? Heck no. No, you're not going to rocket ship. There's so many exits there, and I know all of them. And if you're not watching, something's going to happen to my kids there. And then one day he called me, and he was, I was like, hey, babe, where are you? I think I went shopping with a friend. He was like, oh, we're on our way to the zoo. Boom. I was like, the zoo. The zoo's worse. <laughs> there's a lot of exits. There's a lot of trees. There's a lot of bushes. There's a lot of animal cages. Like, what do you mean you're going to the zoo? And the whole time... <laughs> It's hilarious, but I was, he's a great dad. It wasn't him. It was me. It was a spirit of fear that I was listening to. <laughs> but listen, the whole time I'm out with my friend and I know Matt's at the zoo, do you think I enjoyed any amount of time out? Nope. Not even a minute. My mind was racing the entire time because fear caught my attention and not the Lord. Fear was the one that had my awe and not Jesus. I could not, could not enjoy any moment because I knew they were outside of the home. And it didn't matter that I knew he was a good dad, didn't matter that he was going to watch him, and I have no doubt about that. It was, I was not rational. I was not thinking clearly. And that's what happens when we let a distorted image of the Lord come in, when we partner with the enemy, and, and 
when he whispers those lies to us and we come into agreement with it, we can't think or see clearly. And so again, don't tell me what you know about Jesus. What are you living in? What is your life reflecting in him? Let's keep reading. Uh, Where am I? But Peter messes up, right? Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water. Everything was great. He came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. I love this. I love that it's not perfect. Like, man, he walked on water. It was great. Came back in the boat. No, the the storm caught his awe. And I love here, too, that Jesus doesn't just let him sink a little bit. Immediately, he reaches out and grabs him. And so you may be in the midst of your storm. You're trying to follow Jesus. You're wanting to see a clear picture of him. And you're running to trust him. And the storm catches your attention. Your marriage catches your attention. Broken relationships catches your attention. A child that you think is starting to step to the side a little bit catches your attention. Your job security catches your attention. Provision catches your attention. Inflation catches your attention. The world captures your attention. What is capturing your attention? It doesn't matter in the sense of God is going to reach out and then, no, 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 I'm right here. I'm still right here. I'm still with you. I'm still at your side. Jesus doesn't just leave us to sit there and figure it out on our own. He doesn't just sit there and let us be in the midst of our storm and, well, you'll figure it out. You'll handle it. You'll know I'm right here. That's not who he is. He reaches out and instantly pulls him back in. I got you. I'm for you. I'm with you. Like that is the clear picture of who our God is. So let's keep reading. Uh, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And then I think sometimes we hear it, we see that, and we think automatically that Jesus is scolding. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you have any, why did you doubt? But but that's not who he is. He's a God of compassion. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? He asked those questions, stirring us, getting us to dig deep. Why? Why did I doubt? Because we doubted for a reason. And Jesus isn't just trying to fix in the moment. He's fixing a misconception. He's fixing a misconception. What's behind the doubt? Why did you not think I was going to come through for you? That's what Jesus is asking. Not just to handle in the moment, but to go back so that why? When it happens again, that doubt starts to fade away. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. You see, our ability to worship in the storm, our ability to worship through hardship, our ability to worship through pain and difficulty will help to give a clearer image of who God is to those around us. It'll help paint a clearer picture of who God is around us. Because what happened? The minute they got back in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. Why were they able to say that? They were able to say that because of Peter's faith in him and him not letting him fall. 
Why are people going to be able to say that today about your life? Is because when you're walking through your storm, when you're walking through your hardship, people are going to be like, why are you smiling? Why are you happy? Why is there joy? Why is there peace? Why is there confidence? And you're going to clearly be able to paint a picture of who God is, and it's going to clear up the distortion for those around you on who he is. That's why... Your ability to worship, your ability to walk on the water in the midst of the storm. Yes, it's for you and your relationship with Jesus, but it magnifies his glory. It magnifies his glory to everyone around you. And it causes people to ask questions. Who is this God? Your marriage was on the verge. Who is this God? Somebody that that you love, that you were contending for a relationship, it didn't happen, somebody, a death in the family. Why are you still able to praise Jesus? Because he's still good. Because he still loves me. Because he is sovereign. Even when things don't go the way you want, he is still worthy of our praise because he is still awesome and he is still in control. And so the answer to your storm might not look the way you want it to look. I sense this from the Lord. The answer to your storm, it's not going to look the way you want it to look. But that doesn't mean that God is not good and not in control. I just sense that for somebody here this morning. Thank you, Lord. So how... How can we fix our distorted image of God? He's declaring it all throughout Scripture. I love what Philippians chapter 4 says. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We fix our gaze on Jesus and the distortion is fixed when what? When we wash ourselves in the characteristic of our God. When we wash ourselves in the truth of who he is, when we wash ourselves in scripture that tells us, no, God is not somebody who doesn't care. God is not somebody who doesn't punish when we're in sin, right? He does it lovingly to bring us back. God is not somebody who's not holy. He's not just like those. That's not who our God is. We wash ourselves in the word so that we can sit on solid ground when the storm comes it's like no God you are faithful no God you are faithful to your promises no Jesus you are sovereign this is who you are despite what I see with my eyes that is the place that God wants to get us to listen ladies and gentlemen please let's get rid of the distorted images we have of the father they are hindering you they are hindering your walk you are not attaining freedom if there is a distortion because you don't trust the one who can set you free. Escapism cannot set you free. Social media cannot set you free. Relationships cannot set you free. Self-reliance cannot set you free. Alcohol, drugs, they will not set you free. Gambling will not set you free. The source that you have been running to is leading you into more bondage. And all because of a distorted image of the Father. 
if the enemy can get us to distort that our God is good and for us, we are not running to him for our freedom. And so I just want to take a few minutes and I want to post a few scriptures that are on the screen. What is your distorted image of God? What is it? And you can answer that by just saying, man, when trouble hits, this is what I go to. I don't go to the Lord. That's when you know there's there's a distortion. When you go to something else other than him. I love Revelation. It says that the angels surround the throne and they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty forever. Do you know they say that forever? He is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. That never stops. I can't help but wonder and imagine if it never stops because there's always something more they're learning. There's always something more that they're like, man, God, you're, whoa. Where did that, there's that to you too? There's more to you here? There's more depth here? They're always learning more about God. So don't ever think you're gonna exhaust the full knowledge of who he is here and now. If the angels are crying that out forever, never get to that place where you're just like, oh, I know him. Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) No, I don't. There is always more. There is always more. He wants to awaken the dead things on the inside of you. He wants to heal you of your brokenness and your pain. He wants to heal you of your distortion. He wants to see you set free. But you cannot attain it if you don't trust him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? What is your storm? What is the one thing that hits you and you're like, "Mm, I don't go to him for that. What don't you go to the Lord in and why? And let's wash ourselves in the word this morning. God is unchangeable. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What else is our God? Our God is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill for the Lord our God is holy. What else is our God? Our God is loving and he is compassionate. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For what? For God is love. God just doesn't love. He is love. What else is our God? Our God is omnipotent. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. God is omnipotent. God is what's next omniscient. For if our God condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. There is not one place that you can go that God is not. There is not one thought that you can think that God does not know. There is not one trial that you are about to walk in that God is not fully aware of. You cannot exhaust, you cannot leave the presence of God. Things done in secret, he's there. 
things done in the dark, he is there. The depths of the earth, he is there. He is present and he is for you. He has never left you. And the last one, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what we focus on. That's how we get rid of the distorted image of our God is we focus on who he is. Scripture lays out these things. Wash yourself in the word. Repent for believing a lie that God is not for you, that God is not faithful, that God does not have you. Stop operating out of those misconceptions and find freedom by knowing, man, this is who you are. A confidence starts to rise up on the inside of us because I know who's fighting for me. I know who's victorious. I know who's faithful to his promises. When he speaks them, guys, we're just waiting for the manifestation of it. That's it. So you guys bow your head and close your eyes. I just wanna pray over us this morning. He wants to fix our glasses today. God is saying, this is not who I am. Let's have a reintroduction. What are you running to when the storm gets scary? It doesn't rest on your shoulders. It rests on his. So Holy Spirit of God, move upon our hearts. We just sang that song. We give you space to come and move and speak. Come upon us, God. We don't want to leave the same. We don't want to walk in with the distortion and leave with the distortion. We don't want to walk in with the false characteristic of who you are. We want to leave walking in truth, full of boldness, full of confidence that you are who you say you are. You are for us. You are not against us. You are a redeemer. You restore. You bring back to life. Hmm. God is calling some of you out of the boat today. There are things that you know you've been dealing with in your own strength. You've been trusting yourself. And God is saying, come out of the boat. Come out of the boat. You are not the security. It doesn't rest in you. It rests in me. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, God that we are set free and we can attain true freedom because of knowing who you are. Remove any distortion and wash us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.